0: This podcast is not intended as a substitute for professional help. If you or someone you know is facing difficulties, I advise you consult a psychologist. Hi, everyone, and welcome to Psych for Life with Dr. Amanda Ferguson. I'm your host, Dr. Amanda Ferguson, and today's episode is about Get Your Dream Job, Why Career Planning and Development Matter with Gaj Ravachandra, a peak performance coach and psychologist. Welcome, Gaj.
1: Great to be here. Thanks, Amanda.
0: Great to have you here. And you, Gaj, are also the co-founder of Compass Consultancy, a global talent management consultancy that enables performance excellence. And you've worked with leading organisations, sporting teams and educational institutions. You also provide individual coaching on developing mental toughness, career pivots, finding purpose, opportunity, and increasing mental resilience. You help people every day to map out their careers and take tangible steps to achieve their goals. Oh, my goodness, how wonderful. And so before we give advice to others, what makes you do this work? Is this your dream job? It
1: would be so hypocritical of me if it wasn't, right? And I think, um, you know, it's one of the fascinating things and whether it's a series of lucky decisions, whether it's a series of just having the right mentors, you know, a bit of grinding and and grafting, I think um, all those things in combination, um, you know, worked out. And I think a lot of us need a bit of luck, right, to kind of get to where we need to be. And I think for me, it was always about this idea of, Solving problems, and perhaps similar for you. I'd love to hear a little bit about you as well. I know you're the one directing questions to us today, (laughs) but you know, this sense of how deeply connected we all are, uh, and the fact that we probably have more in common than we do different. I really found that as part of my upbringing. You know, I used to look at my parents, they're like complete opposites of each other. Dad's a civil engineer, hugely analytical. Uh, my mum is a, you know, an emotional, you know, character and, you know, the two of them are still together and they make it work. And, you know, it always fascinated me. And when you look at corporations uh, and you look at universities and you see that diversity, you know, there's so much opportunity there.
0: Absolutely. And you say that even as a child, success fascinated you.
1: Yeah, <laughs> I think being a young immigrant child, I think one of the things that, you know, when you come to Australia, I was four years old when we migrated to Australia from Sri Lanka. And I think one of the things that I really learned was that success was a wonderful outcome that could help you and your family um, in many ways. And I found that it it gave you two things. It, It gave you confidence and it also gave you options. Mm. And I think, you know, growing up, I found that those were things that were really important and, uh, you know, the opportunity to be able to provide that for your family. Yes. And so I was always fascinated by how people achieve this and not just in the traditional sense, because I could see growing up that it wasn't just that you did a degree and then you followed a particular path. There was something more to these particular individuals who had higher levels of success Mm. and I didn't know what they were growing up. I think psychology and studying psychology helped me uh, to put some frameworks of reference around that. Yeah. Uh, and then obviously travelling internationally and meeting different people, you know, massively helped.
0: Absolutely. As you say, we're we're so different, we have different callings in life, we do different things, but maybe we're much more similar than we actually give credit for and And so you're helping people define even what their version of success is. Because as you say, you know, success for one person is very different for another. And some people feel that their success is not as important as others, but it's important to us, more important that we feel our success is our own, not in comparison to others.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, I think you're right. I think success is a very personal experience. And as a result of that, if we don't understand who we are, then it's very difficult to understand how the success I'm going to achieve is actually going to help me or to make me content. Yes. And I don't know about you, but I've recently, I'm sure we're going to talk about this today, but this idea of moving away from this sense of happiness and tied to success Mm -hmm. as opposed to growth Yes. and what that means. And I think as soon as I shifted my thinking on a personal level to more growth, I started to see very, very different perspectives and not just in the external world, but in myself on how I uh, sort of attributed success to things, right?
0: Isn't that so true that the pursuit of happiness itself is such an elusive, mind-bending problem that just doesn't work, whereas growth, development, even I think helping others, all of those outward focuses tend to bring happiness.
1: And you know, I got into trouble the other day talking about this in a in a conference. I said the pursuit of happiness is is one of the biggest lies that we've been sold. Yes. And you know this idea that you know we are going we are here to be happy. Yeah. Right. I'm not convinced. I'm not convinced that's actually why we're here.
0: No. Uh, no, I yeah. completely agree. I think we're here to grow, totally. Yeah. And look, the growth mindset that we're all adopting in performance literature, and you see it in great athletes in particular, where those that, like Roger Federer, you know, who learned to accept failure and it was just part mm-hmm. of the, the thing. So, mm-hmm. you know, these great performers and successful people, they have failure along the path, as just part of the course, and, yes, mm-hmm. happiness as a sort of secondary gain maybe.
1: Yeah. And I think, I don't know about yourself, but for me, the the best lessons I've ever had, the best growth I've ever had is in my failures. (laughs) Um, And so I don't tend to learn so much from my successes. Right. I think it it, it sort of comes the other way, which I thought was, it's just a fascinating cycle of life. I think it's amazing, but you've got to, you've got to be in it. You've got to try, you've got to take, be courageous. Right. I think that's what for me, successful people, you know, from a career perspective, that's what they do. Yes, they they are more courageous. They're willing to take the chance to see whether something is going to work or not, um, and that potential for risk or failure.
0: Absolutely agree, and you know it's also relative. That take the example of someone who's courageous enough to really put themselves through the end of school leaving certificate, even though they just have trouble at school. And Mm. yet that courage is there and they pull it off to whatever extent is success for them. You know, that's to be applauded.
1: Absolutely. And, you know, I I can't tell you how many people that probably you and I both meet that where school was not the thing that was ever going to be the wonderful memory, you know, that they hold on to. However, I do feel that getting through that, like you said, Builds builds up this sense of resilience, Yes. right? And then, so then you have something in the back of your mind. So when you're going through a challenge, mm. you have a reference point, right? Yeah. To say, you know what? I actually did something for 12 years that I hated, right? Yeah. But I got through it. Yeah. So if I need to get through this next meeting, or if I need to get through this business opportunity or this transaction, mm. then I know I can do it because I have the reserves and I've proven it before. And so yeah, I absolutely agree with you.
0: You're right. We leverage from success to success if we're mindful mm. about this because we're building resilience from the failures as well as we're mm. going along to achieve those successes, hopefully, at least mm. some of them. And, yeah. yes, we can always remember the past success in order to promote and, and find that and dig deep for the courage and strength for the next one.
1: Mm, absolutely. Great.
0: Yeah, and to deal with the failures even mm. with that resilience. So you say it gives you such satisfaction to help people to do this. And this is what you've been doing for now, what, a couple of decades?
1: Yeah, it makes me feel old. But yeah, absolutely. A couple of decades. And I think it it, it definitely energises me, Amanda. And I think oh. that is one of the things that I find, Yeah, you know, I feel very fortunate Yeah, um, that I get to wake up every day and I don't ever not look forward to the day. And yeah. I think that is something that I've had to learn, you know, I'm in my mid forties now. And I think, you know, as we all get older, we all sort of realize that our world becomes a lot more focused yes. typically, right. Yes. Whether it's the people we want to spend time with, whether it's the kind of things we want to do, yep. um, how protective we become over our time.
0: Mm. And I
1: think that for me, um, you know, was a wonderful life lesson and life experience.
0: It's such a privilege when you find that yeah. dream job where, as you say it energizes you you never feel like it's a waste of your energy and your time which is precious and as i often find myself saying oh my goodness they pay me to do this i'd do it for free
1: yeah <laughs> absolutely and i think that sense of you know as as we move into this fractional employment you know world where we're going to have probably you know multiple roles and different jobs at the same time I think one of the one of the myths that we are currently living in that we're transitioning out of is this idea that one job is going to give us this sense of fulfillment and contentment, right? It's yes. a bit like saying one life partner is going to be my best friend, you know, my romantic uh, opportunity, my mentor, my advisor, <laughs> my confidant, my I mean, it's a lot of heck of a lot of pressure to put on one person, right? Mm-hmm. And so we do that with our jobs. Yeah, right? Mm-hmm. We think we're going to get everything from this one particular part of our life.
0: yeah
1: and so the more people that I speak to about careers, uh, I I personally tend to find that it's not just about job but it's about responsibilities and actions and and goals that we set and we might have different things that we work on that actually you know contribute to that as opposed to one particular you know aspect that we we wake up every day and we just go and press repeat, right?
0: Well, exactly as you say about one partner satisfying everything, one job can't always do that. And because it's, yes, it's a dream job a lot of the time and not all of the time, it can't be.
1: Well, what a great example is this podcast, right? Um, (laughs) The idea that you could be practising as a psychologist, but actually you're also a wonderful podcaster. And then in addition to that, there'll be books and other things, right, that you're working on. Uh, And I think, I mean, for me, that you know, what you're doing is a wonderful example of that, that you can actually get this contentment from many aspects of your life and not just this particular myth around one job.
0: Well, and same with you, because in your organisation, Compass, the coaching company, you have 16 consultants in 70, my goodness, countries. So you'd be so aware of all these global challenges and you'd be having multifaceted aspects to your dream job as part of managing this organization and then coaching people individually. So, so many facets for what you're doing as part of your dream job.
1: Yeah, I think, um, you know, part of my role really here along with um, the other co-founders really that we provide a structure or a, or a framework, right, for people to be able to work and be able to be who they are at their best. And we hope that we, we allow that. And a lot of that is our own uh, delivery, right, of how we work and our style. So I think the fact that we're in different countries, you know, we get to work with different kinds of people, you know, that diversity, it definitely does remind me, Amanda, that we have more in common than we do different. And when I see a lot of the, you know, a lot of the news at the moment about, you know, various wars and conflict and various things happening, it saddens me. Yes. Right. That we're not focusing on what is actually similar yes. rather than and what unites us. Um, And I think from a career perspective, we have a lot to learn. So whether, you know, we're talking to someone in Congo or we might be talking (laughs) to someone in Sydney, in Australia, you know, human ambition, desire, need, motivation, there is so much that we have in common.
0: Excellent. And I hope that our podcast is an example of how people come together and be more similar and this operates against that divisive, trend of war in the world that's trying to pit us, us against each other we shall prevail so in terms of looking at these dream jobs and and the days we live in now with so much conflict and so much volatility in the world has there been a big change i mean you're talking about people now needing to look for aspects of the dreaminess in in their careers and their lives not just one single dream job I mean, is it even still attainable for certainly first world people to think that way, that there can be a dream aspect, that they can search for the next dream aspect, that, you know, once mm. they've, they've lost that sense of being a great dream, that there will be another Aspect to it, like fluid careers we're talking about in organisational psychology, where people morph their career and they craft mm-hmm. their careers so that it it stays a dream job, but it's ever changing mm-hmm. because they're being entrepreneurial about it and changing it. Do you mm-hmm. think that's realistic these days? Yeah,
1: I, I think there is a, a really interesting thing that's happening at the moment, and one of the things it was a report that came out on CNBC in October last year that said that we were unhappier in October, 2023, than we were during the pandemic. Wow. So three years on, yes. something's not right. Yes. And if we are generally feeling this way, and I think careers play an important role, you know, in that sense of identity, yeah. in terms of who we are and our value and the contribution we make. And so when I talk to people, I, I think one of the things is we've we've forgotten about our goals. Yes. I think we've definitely slipped, yep. right, in terms of our goals. Goals are wonderful for lots of reasons. I mean you're the expert on goals, I don't need to be telling you this, but I think for me they are a, a it's a point of direction. Yeah. They allow us to know are we stepping in the right direction yep. towards something? And when we are goalless, I find that that is where we are left behind. Yeah. Because the world is moving forward whether you like it or not. That mm-hmm. is just an acceptance of things. And so if we stand still for too long, the world is moving, and so we are actually going backwards rather than even stationary. Yeah. And so, therefore, we need some goals to propel us in the right way. And so I think when we set these goals and, and, and look for the right jobs, um, a couple of things come to mind for me. Um, one is if we take a step back, where we might have looked at a particular career, I think now we almost get to look at them like projects. Yes. And they are projects in our life. Yep. and these are things that contribute, you know, different aspects to us in terms of our confidence, in terms of connection and collegiality, mm. in terms of um, emotional, you know, volatility, in terms of you know, purpose, right, and meaning. Yeah, and so when we look at it from that perspective, I think Amanda, for me, it's about how do we connect with our values in the kinds of roles and the kind of institutions. Mm -hmm. How do we connect with these internal and external motivators that we have? It's not just about monetary return or status or car park size that you have. It's also about perhaps a sense of fulfillment, Mm -hmm. right? And contentment in the things that you do and a sense of uh, achievement. Yep. But I think there's this other thing, which is called motivated skills. Mm. And for me, it's this idea of doing the things that you are good at, but also the things that you enjoy doing. Yes. And I think it's almost a wonderful criteria and, and, and you know, there are lots of exercises to uncover these things, but once you understand that about yourself, then you start to narrow down the kind of opportunities, you know, that might be able to fulfill that in you and yeah. give you that sense of contentment. And so I think that wonderful crossroad right between those things. So it's not an accident that you might be an author a podcaster and a psychologist, right? Yeah. If you looked at the motivated skills, the things yeah. you're good at, the things you enjoy doing, You would find an intersection of those things there.
0: Absolutely. And so goals fit with what we were talking about earlier, about having a learning mindset, that having goals ongoingly. And and I think the idea of projects rather than so much of a career these days appeals to a lot of the younger generations. I think they're finding Mm. that that mindset, that way of viewing your career and your work fits with what the world's doing at the moment. So knowing yourself is so important, whether it's an internal, external kind of intrinsic or extrinsic motivation, as Mm. you're saying about motivation as well. Mm. So you mentioned in some of your material about mindset being so important. Is this the mindset you're referring to?
1: Yeah. One of the biggest lessons for me in my life, I think Amanda has been being able to separate this notion of the brain and the mind. Yes, And when I got my head around that, yeah, uh, I realized that opportunities are limitless. Yes. And that was really empowering for me. Mm-hmm. And I think being an entrepreneur and starting up a business, living halfway around the world, away from family and support structures, and knowing that you had to be de- independent to some extent, right? Yeah. You're interdependent, but also independent. Yep. And realizing that the brain is there purely for survival, But the mind is there to help me thrive. Yes. And if I get on top of my mind, if I learn how to control my mind, Mm. I am much more likely to feel this sense of contentment in the things that I do. And the world is its almost like stereoscopic colour and vision, right, that that kicks in. It's so beautiful. And when I speak to people who perform at these highest levels, whether it's an elite sport, whether it's in an educational setting, in a corporate environment, whether you're at home looking after the kids and that's your job in any of those aspects, when you have that, you know, that ability to be able to to look at thriving in that environment, your worldview, your life looks very different and feels very different. And so I think for me, that was a big lesson um, in in how to, to perceive things.
0: Absolutely. That understanding of the difference between the mind and the brain And there's so much information out there easily available for people to understand mindfulness and to understand Mm. themselves in terms of their mind and the way it Mm. works and the infinite opportunities that once you tap into that part of yourself, Mm. as you say, it's magical. Yeah,
1: and I think that, you know, what's interesting for me, I was reflecting on this the other day, we do some work with hedge funds and, you know, analysts in hedge fund who are, you know, hugely logical, numbers-driven individuals. And one of the big problems that they have is when dealing with people who are perhaps more emotional, right? Yeah. What they call emotion, yes. right? They're much more yeah. intuitive and so yeah. forth. They say, well, all of our decisions, it's easy because we make it through numbers. The, the numbers tell us everything. Well, actually that is an emotional response because when you think about it, the numbers give you safety. They make you less vulnerable. Right. <laughs> and so when you point that out to people, It rattles them Mm
0: -hmm. because all
1: their life they've been taught that they're not relying on emotion. (laughs) They're actually relying on the numbers. And so when you break it down, we are all emotional beings. It's just how it manifests out in the world. We've chosen a particular path that makes us feel more safe. Yes. And I think we make those choices in our careers. We make them in the partners that we choose Mm -hmm. in in every aspect of our life. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think when we break down safety and it's a book that I've started writing at the moment, which is called broken, which is the idea that we're all beautifully broken, Yeah. but it's in the break that actually the power exists. And when you get into that break, the healing and the opportunity to say, well, why am I not choosing to go down a particular career path? What is, what am I actually telling myself in that, in these moments, right? That's stopping me. Is it a a fear of failure is it a fear of never being good enough you know is it a fear of change is yeah. it, you know what is it and so i think i find that part really fascinating for me
0: oh i agree and i think that speaks to our individuality and often i find that wherever we're fearful that's where we need to be heading
1: yeah there's something in it for us mm. right so I haven't quite connected that to skydiving. So I'll, I'll, no. I'll, I'll, I'll hook you up on that later.
0: No, oh, no, I think it completely, <laughs> it defies that particular rule. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure that it's not one of them. Perfectly good aeroplane? No, I'm not jumping out of one of those.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's meant to get us from point A to point B.
0: That's it. So you provide these wonderfully tested approaches for people in your your team. And so they can rely on the science behind it. When they come to you and your wonderful compass um, organization, as well as your book, four tips to enhancing leadership excellence in your organization. And we'll give the um the link later in the the podcast in the show notes where people can find these wonderful resources. So, why do you think career planning and development is is still important, or is it just project by project?
1: Yeah, I, I think we do need to have as humans a sense of a vision or series of goals that helps direct us as we've spoken about. And I think the other thing is also understanding that a lot of us and particularly high performers tend to have what we call accidental careers. Yeah. Right. So, and by that, I mean, we've been good at something. Yeah. And we get tapped on the shoulder or an opportunity comes up and we take it. Right. And then that cycle just sort of continues, but we've not necessarily ever sat down and said, well, where is all this taking me? And I can't tell you, Amanda, how many people I speak to who are late 30s, early 40s, who have come to this realization that they don't know actually where they're heading. Yeah. And so then they end up making these transactional decisions, right? Sometimes they'll go and do an executive MBA somewhere, thinking that's going to magically heal yes. this process. Yeah. Or they might go do a CFA or something, right? Yeah. And then they realize, actually wasn't that it was something else Mm -hmm. that was driving them to want to have a change. Yep. And I think that part for me is, is really fascinating. So what, you know, part of our coaching work when it comes to careers is really understanding what is the bigger vision for you and your, your, your life, your family, the implications of that, what do you need to do then to fulfill these values and motivations along the way and these motivated skills along the way. And that could take a million different paths. Mm. And I think that's where part of the problem is. So we we actually have too many options these days, even though we feel like we don't. Um, and that confuses us. So we want to move from accidental careers to intentional careers. And that is the big shift, I think, that I'm seeing in, in lots of people that we work with at the moment.
0: Oh, and such a need for it particularly at this point, I think, where people have not just accidental shift, but accidental drop of the career Mm -hmm. and the goals, as you said, because of the lockdowns and pandemic. And we found the research in organisational psychology during the pandemic to show that those people who didn't drop their goals or pivoted their goals and redefined them were much more healthy mentally. And so Mm -hmm. I think, yeah, ongoing consciousness about our goals and our careers whether we need a coach or not and what form whether it's formal coaching or whether it's friendship colleagues mentors bosses mm. friends mm. that you know we sort of coach each other a bit it's consciousness that's really required these days even more so because we're dealing with so much threat and change aren't we
1: yeah absolutely and and I guess going back to that earlier point around this VUCA you know, volatile, uncertain, complex, ambiguous world. And you might have come across the extension of that, which is BANI, B-A-N-I, which is this is how the VUCA world makes us feel. It makes us feel brittle, so more fragile. It makes us feel anxious about the future. It makes us realize that the world is nonlinear, yeah, and I'll come back to that. It means it's it's unconventional now. It's it's non-traditional. Right? Yeah, and also it's incomprehensible. There are many things out of our control. Yeah, and so if it's if this VUCA world is making us feel all these things, then we can't accept that an accidental career is going to be enough for no. us. And so therefore, we need to plan and at least put some framework or guidance right around those things. And so I do find this sort of banny approach, you know, helps us to really get our head around this.
0: Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And these acronyms mm-hmm. are really helpful, I think, to let people know that we know this is happening. And, you know, it's okay for them to feel, you know, out of sorts and all at sea. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's it's a time of the need for even more guidance about people's careers and give more solutions and strategies. So Helping them with their mindset—is—is is it the mindset the same for everyone, or is it, as you said, that matrix that sort of cross paths of of motivation and so forth that they need to mm. tap into what their motivation is and what their values are and what their goals and their needs are for, as you said, feeding family and supporting self and others. It's quite a matrix, isn't it?
1: Yeah, it absolutely is, and I think it's really important that we do understand those individualistic elements. To ourselves. Yeah. And then we, there's also, I think, an appreciation that when you have those individualistic needs, the mindset for any high performer pretty much follows the same process, right? In terms of the flow. So when you think about your thoughts become repeated thoughts are beliefs. Yes. And those thoughts affect your feelings and those feelings affect your behavior. That is the circle of life. It, it is the cognitive cycle, right? As we all know. And so that is the same regardless of who you are. It is the uh, hardware for all 8 billion people on this planet. Mm. And I think the idea that if we control that, and we learn how to master that, then we can fulfill these individualistic needs, you know, that we do have.
0: And they would continue to evolve as people go through their lives, of course, that knowing yourself is an ongoing experience, isn't it?
1: Absolutely. I think that that Greek maxim, know thyself, right? When Socrates Um, you know, sort of talks about this, uh, it's so critical uh, to understanding and having that self-awareness and being conscious uh, in the moment of what is happening. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Because adds to your earlier point too, that you may look at an MBA and think, well, that must be what I need. But the truth comes from within. It's not going to be a quick, simple solution from what looks like it's a shiny, bright, you know, should have rather than a Mm. what do I really need? What do I really want? what's right mm. for me, and that may yes. look odd to other people. You know, often I find when people are on the right path, others just can't understand it because they mm. may have taken a 180-degree turn.
1: Absolutely. And and I guess this is what keeps us in in employment, isn't it, Amanda, the idea that we are terrible at being objective about ourselves. Yes. And the idea that, therefore, to do that introspection yeah. and to not have necessarily... Unhelpful filters that mm-hmm. we have set up for ourselves, you know to survive uh, yeah. in our lives, that they don't get in the way of where we're trying to get to. And so therefore, having these objective voices, these people around us, whether it's coaches, mentors, colleagues, you know around us, can be such a wonderful uh, addition and a tool that we can use in our kit bag.
0: Oh, absolutely. As you said earlier, we're all interconnected, integrated. So, you know, we may be a mentor to one person and have a mentor for ourselves. And mm. we learn so much even mentoring others as we much as we do by having mentors. And mm. I think this is where we help each other out. And it's important that we have these resources.
1: Yeah, one of the things that we'd set up when the pandemic hit was actually a a program called the Career Kickstarter, which was a, an online series of modules. And we found that you know people were being let go from their jobs. That you know obviously there was a lot of um, complexity and difficulty in the world, and people were struggling. And so Peter Hill and I, another career coach, and I, you know, set up this for that reason. Right? We wanted to make finding a job accessible to everybody. Wow. And it shouldn't be that you went to a particular business school or that, you know, a particular corporate that allowed you to have access to this information. And obviously with the internet being such a wonderful resource, uh, resource bank, you can now access these tools, right. With, um, And I think for us, that is something we knew there was an issue with people mm. being confused about where they wanted to go and what they wanted to do. Yep. And so then yep. if you make something available at such a fraction of a cost that they'd have to pay normally, you know, would people take that up? And it's been wonderful.
0: Oh, um, congratulations, and thank you for that resource as well.
1: Yeah, I'll I'll provide some um, information and some links for people to check it out because it's actually quite amazing. We we sent it. We someone in Jamaica, uh, the Jamaican government, actually found this uh, link randomly. It must have been some uh, I don't know. i was talking to you off air about the wonderful marketing that we don't do um, <laughs> as a business. Uh, they must have found out about us. And then, because in Jamaica at the time, during the pandemic, there was a lot of unemployed unemployment going right. on. And so people were struggling to find jobs. yeah, and so I think through that process we're able to help a thousand uh, individuals get back into the workplace, uh, which was fantastic., oh. and so I think it's those small things, you know the, every little bit that we all do helps. And I think you know, sometimes we look at the bigger problems and think it's too big. yes, um, and then we if we, go and use the analogy, how do you eat an elephant, you know, yeah. one piece at a time, you um, you start and pick the small pieces.
0: Yeah, yeah. And those small things can grow into big change movements and mm. who knows how far that one will go that started. It's yeah. quite a small, very altruistic project, which is lovely, wonderful. Mm. And so when we look at goals and dreams and all of these wonderful things, what about the flip side for younger people in particular who maybe uh, get frustrated and disappointed that their wonderful big goals and wonderful big dreams get knocked on the head because maybe uh, someone se- senior in the organisation says, you're not ready to make manager. You've only been in the job for six months.
1: Yeah, yeah. It really is a frustration. It's funny because I was talking to my one of my daughters who's 17, you know, final year of school this year, and was asking, what do you, you want to do, right, when you sort of finish and you, you think about your life? And it was it was about being successful, right? It was about, um, you know, making a million dollars by the time I'm 30, right? <laughs> and I sort of looked at my wife and thought, oh, my God, both of us are going to have to have a conversation about this at some point. What's happened? <laughs> and then she said, look, Daddy, what did you want to do when you were my age? And the answer would have been very similar. Yeah. I would have wanted to have been ambitious. I would have wanted to have made a difference in the world. I wanted to have had high goals and aspirations for things. Mm-hmm. Back in my time, I probably didn't have Instagram and so forth to give me a reference point, right, for a lot of those things. But I think those goals and dreams perhaps, though they're articulated perhaps differently now um, by the youth, I think there's a lot of similarity in what they would have wanted uh, as to perhaps what I would have wanted. Yeah. And so I think for a lot of, particularly Gen Z, right, coming through and, and working They love to travel. They love to be involved in projects that have meaning and purpose. Mm -hmm. They want to get paid for that. Mm -hmm. Um, But they also want to perhaps to be more transactional in the nature of things, right? And I think technology and and society and everything else has contributed to this. Mm -hmm. So therefore, the nature of the work, the nature of the opportunities, um, you know, for them is different. Uh, And I think as leaders, you know, if you're a leader in an organization and, and managing and responsible for these young talents it's really about creating these opportunities and i think it starts with asking them what they want yeah right very much i think in lots of cases we make the mistake of of thinking we know what is actually important to them and the yeah. answers are there i mean we get to do this as psychologists right we don't always have the answers but we ask the questions right yeah. and through the questioning answers evolve yeah. and i think that's it's one of those things that you know can be really helpful so i think those Gen Z, going back to your question, those Gen Z individuals, I think, surround yourself with people you know, that lift you. A friend of mine used to play professional football, a guy called Alan Nielsen uh, for Denmark. And he used to say this thing, which I thought was really fascinating. It's called the one third rule, which is that as a high performer in any part of your life, that you should spend one third of your time with people significantly better than you yeah right so you're surrounded with with learning and growth that you spend one third of your time with your peers, right with people mm-hmm. who have similar sort of life stage and and so forth. And then one third with people who are perhaps still learning, who are at a lower level of knowledge or capability or skill set. so you you learn how to reinforce and support and help other people. I don't see that so much in a lot of the younger generation. And I think what I do see is everyone wants to climb the ladder quickly Yeah. and they don't necessarily want to help other people. Mm-hmm. And I think by helping other people who perhaps aren't at the same level as you, yeah. we learn some different skills. We learn actually about some of the challenges, mm-hmm. about some of the frustrations, about the fact that sometimes it can take time yes. right, for us to be able to work through things. And so I find that one third rule is a wonderful benchmark or framework uh, to oh. use.
0: Such great advice. And, you know, Mm -hmm. even if you just think in a family of siblings where the eldest gets that opportunity to mentor the younger ones, you see a difference there in the psychology often, not always, of course. And I think there's a big message here too for managers and leaders, mentors of the younger people to be nuanced. And, you know, Mm -hmm. this is some great trend that came out of the pandemic, nuanced management, that to ask the young people particularly what they want in their jobs, mm. careers, projects, workplaces, because that's a huge part of how to manage these days. And I think that's mm. important advice as well.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And and typically I find that even when it comes to things like monetary or compensation, right? Mm. There's, there's this huge focus on on the young, young, sort of younger generation wanting to be paid very highly, very quickly. Yeah. Um, well, actually if we dig a bit deeper, why is that? Yes. Right. Yes. Why are you wanting that? What, what is it going to give you? Mm. And typically it's around freedom and choice.
0: Yeah.
1: Right. And so I think that the research is, is quite clear on this, right, that we're finding that these are the things. It's not necessarily to go and buy the latest handbag or yeah. car or, you know, whatever it might be, right. I'm sure there's an element of that, you know, materialism that's there, yeah. but freedom and choice seem to be, you know, super important. And so if those two values were provided to Gen Zs, you know, in the organization. Mm-hmm. How do we increase the level of freedom you have to work on projects? Yeah. How do we increase the choice of the kind of mentors and access to people, right? Yes. The kind of learning that you get. Yeah. I wonder if the conversation might be different.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. And mm-hmm. keeping in mind the demographic, the differences that each demographic um, age group really has in terms of what they want to get out of their jobs and careers. What about those people who think they may have bypassed or missed out on their dream job and their dream career and regret lost opportunities? What, what can we tell those people?
1: Yeah, it's too late. Um, no, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Look, I'm sure this happens to you a lot. Um, I get this a lot when I talk to people, and you know, they find out that I'm a psychologist. They always say, "Oh my God, I wanted to be a psychologist. Yes. Always took up a major, and I wanted to study this, and it's <laughs> too late for me." And yeah. Well, it's not it's not too late. No, right That's the good news. That is something in our mind, right? The mind is playing a little trick on us, yeah, when we when we say that it's too late. And what it's typically saying is that I'm afraid that I might not have the time or that I might not be successful if I was to make this transition. Yes. And then what do I do? What am I left with? Right? And so if we know we're operating from fear, that is the first sense of awareness, mm-hmm. right that is really important. And then, like any fear, we need to mitigate the the negative consequences of that fear. Yep. And so then that requires a plan.
0: Yeah. It requires
1: a, a way of simply working through things, right? Step by step. That's it.
0: That's it. And
1: so though that sounds simplistic, right, I think having the right people around you to support yeah. you to do that, I think is really important. Yes. Um, your tribe, right? Uh, mm-hmm. you know, As most people know that your tribe are one of the most significant factors of your success. And so choosing those people, right, is going to be important. But I think you need to have the plan and overcome and acknowledge first that there is a fear that is holding me back Mm -hmm. and fears can be overcome. And I think that reality is there.
0: Oh, that's such great positive news. And look, it's been a wonderful, wonderful podcast. And I ask all my guests, what makes you psyched for life? I think
1: the biggest thing, and I did touch upon this today, is this idea of, Endless growth. Mm. That there is life is actually quite limitless, mm. and that excites me. Um, the fact that if I wanted to pick up a um, a podcast on any topic, I can pretty much do that and learn something. Um, yeah. Whether it's about the biochemistry of, of a human being or cross stitching, right? <laughs> There's going to be an opportunity for me to be able to get some information on this. Yeah. And the fact that if I'm willing to grow, it also means that I'm willing to fail where I'm willing to find hardship in something. And Mm -hmm. it's through that hardship that I know that something better is going to to come from that outcome. So I think it's growth for me. That's what I'm psyched for, Amanda.
0: Wonderful. So for people wanting to look at Compass, the coaching company, and to engage Gaj, his team, buy the book and look for other resources, go to www.compass, K-O-M-P-A-S-S, consultancy.com. And, yes, there is lots of information in the show notes as well. Garge, thank you so much for your wonderful time and entertainment and information today in the podcast.
1: Thank you so much for everything that you do as well, Amanda. I really appreciate it.
0: If you've enjoyed listening to this podcast, please rate, review and subscribe on Apple, Spotify or wherever you're listening right now. Plus, don't forget you can access all of the resources mentioned in today's podcast via the show notes. Is there a pressing issue or topic you'd like me to discuss? Head to my Instagram at dramandaferguson and send me a DM. I love hearing from my listeners. If anything discussed in this podcast has caused you concern or distress, contact your general practitioner or health provider. To locate a psychologist in your area, call the Australian Psychological Society and locate Find a Psychologist service on 1800 497, or visit www.findapsychologist.org.au. If you or someone you know is in crisis, Lifeline is available 24-7 on 13 11 14 and Kids Helpline, again 24-7 on 1800 1800, and both are free of charge. To find out more about me, please visit my website, dramandaferguson.com.au. You can find the link in my show notes. The opinions expressed by guests in these podcasts aren't necessarily shared by me.